I've got, we got a lot to do this morning, and so y'all listen fast. Uh, When I first started preaching, I found it difficult to preach long enough. After you go for a while, you find it really difficult to preach short enough. Uh, So we got a lot to do, so y'all listen, listen fast. All right, we're going to do something different this Sunday morning. Uh, We're trying to break the mold of the typical American church, where you go, you sit, you soak, and you sour, okay? We, we come in, we find a seat, we soak up a little bit. We don't distribute it to anybody else, though. And then we starve ourselves biblically through the week, and then we show back up and get a little something else. We, we just don't want to be like that. Um, guys, it's too late in history, and it's too late in my lifetime to play at church. And so we just really need to get some basics going really well. One of those basics is the Great Commission, and that is why Hearts for the Lost is coming here on November 16th. Another way that we need to break the mold is that we need to drop the church mask that we all tend to wear. You know that we come here and people say, how are you doing? And they, that's another way of saying hi. You know, it's not that anybody wants you to stop and say, well, have a seat and let me tell you about it for the next 30 minutes, right? So we, we want to be real enough with one another that we can bear one another's burdens like the, like the Bible tells us to. We really need to know one another. Uh, speaking of which, one of the things that we're about to do, and you may have already received uh, an invitation, and if you did, it probably didn't tell you what you were being invited to. Uh, I, think, I think maybe we left that off there. I'm going to start inviting folks to my house on Sundays for lunch. Uh, it'll take a little while to get through everybody, and we'll do it two out of every three weeks because that third week, my wife will be at Walgreens, and you don't want to come over and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I make, I don't think. So two out of every three weeks, we'll be inviting folks to come and, and eat lunch with us because I really want to get to know you a little better than I can here at the church. Uh, you guys have have done a lot this year that I've asked you to do. Um, I, I asked you and our deacons asked you to, to look at a new constitution. And you looked at it and you voted a new constitution in. You also voted in an entirely new leadership team. And 95% of us committed to be here on November 16th for Hearts for the Lost. Uh, that is, I've asked a lot and you've given a lot. And that is awesome. I'm going to ask one more thing today. We're going to do a spiritual checkup. Uh, The reason for that will become evident, but I know full well that checkups are not always enjoyable. All right, when I go to the doctor, you know what the doctor tells me? He says, you need to lose weight and you need to exercise more. Now, why does he tell me that? Well, because he can look at me and see and he can test me and see that I would be more healthy if I would do some things differently. And I should do those things differently. Uh, but, and, and I'd make no excuse, but physically we're ultimately fighting a losing battle, aren't we? I mean, things are, are they might get better for a while, but ultimately things are going to go downhill. Um, my son is all healthy and skinny and I say, well, wait till you get 40 and you work behind a desk and you sit there all day long and, and, uh, then you take your kids to football so they can exercise and then you come home at night and go to bed. So we know that as you age, things, uh, physically don't get better. I was talking to a choir one time, and there was this one lady who had a very wide vibrato, a slow and wide vibrato. Vibrato is when the note, the pitch of the note goes up and down. 
Like instead of going, ah, it's ah, and there's a wave in there. So hers was really, really wide and slow. It was more like, ah, 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 and her whole head would shake, and I thought she was going to injure her neck, and it sounded weird. And uh, anyway, I told her, I said, well, I didn't want to call her out, and I was talking to the whole choir. So I said, guys, we need to be careful, listen to our vibrato, make sure it matches those around us. Uh, you know, as we age, our vibrato gets a little slower and a little wider. And this funny fellow in the back said, as we age, everything gets slower and wider. <laughs> so, well, you're right, you're right. So spiritually, though, we can and should get more healthy as we age. We should be becoming more Christ-like as we progress in our faith. You know, we can look and test and see what our spiritual condition is as well as our physical condition. If we take the time to measure ourselves, we can see whether we're progressing like we ought to be, whether we're stagnating, which is not good, or whether we're regressing, which is really bad. And if you are stagnating, if you don't do something quick, you'll be regressing. The first area I'm going to ask you about today on this survey concerns your spiritual beliefs. There are probably some areas of theology that you and I would disagree on. If I were to ask you about the branch of theology known as eschatology, eschatology is the study of the last things. And so if I asked everybody's detailed understanding of what happens at the end of time, we'd probably have 50 different answers. And that's okay, because those things are not of primary importance, and they're not super clear. If they were super clear, we could all just get on board, right? So I'm not going to ask you that kind of thing. I'm going to ask you things that we need to agree on because these are basics of the Christian faith. So don't worry about this. Don't think, oh, no, I'm about to have to answer these theological questions. These are basics of the Christian faith. If you just indicate honestly your understanding, we will be good. Why does it matter exactly what we believe? It matters because misplaced, misplaced faith cannot save anybody. Listen to what Jesus said to a group of religious Jews who were questioning him. In John 8, 24, Jesus said this, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In other words, Jesus was telling them that unless they believed that he was who he said he was, they would die in their sins. It matters very much what you believe. Some folks will tell you that it doesn't really matter at all because sincerity is the key. They'll say something like, all roads up the mountain of faith lead to God at the top. Now that sounds really inclusive and enlightened, doesn't it? The problem is that it's not true. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, wait a minute. How can Jesus be so narrow-minded? <laughs> well, the way of salvation is narrow. Matthew seven thirteen, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So, if it's hard to find and there are few who find it, what is that narrow gate? John ten seven. Through nine, Jesus says, Therefore, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. What you believe matters very much. What you do also matters very much. Look with me at what Jesus said in John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's a weird verse, isn't it? Y'all pay attention to what it says up there. Whoever believes, all right, he's talking about believing, right? He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not, should say believe, right? Because he's talking about believing. But no, it says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. So why did he switch topics there from believing to obeying? Well, he didn't really switch very much because those two are inextricably linked. And so what you believe honestly affects absolutely what you do. Now, there are a lot of folks that want to say, well, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I do whatever it is I want to do. And I reminded you, I think, last week that the parts of, you know, the people that come to church who aren't really submitted to the Lordship of Christ, and therefore, I would say, who aren't really believers, they're okay with showing up on Sunday. They're okay with several things that have to do with the Christian life. There are two things they're not okay with, though. They don't want God in their finances or their bedrooms, and we know that that is the case. So, we want to submit to God completely, and we want our actions to align with what we say we believe. That's why the next section of our church health profile is about spiritual disciplines. I guess we should define spiritual disciplines so we all know exactly what we're talking about there. So I'm going to quote from Don Whitney, author of Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Here's what these are. The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So those are the things that promote spiritual growth among believers. They are habits of devotion, habits of experiential Christianity that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. Why do I care if you practice spiritual disciplines? Well, I care because I want you to be growing in your relationship to God. There's only one healthy way for a Christian to be going, and that is by growing in his walk with the Lord. Again, stagnation is not good, and it leads very, very quickly to regressing. All right. I'm going to go down here and get section two of our survey so I can talk to you about it briefly. On these spiritual disciplines, I'm going to ask about your walk with Christ. Um, Is it more or less intimate than it was a year ago? And I just want you to be honest there. I'm going to ask you about your Bible reading. The number one factor uh, for growth in the Christian life, according to, I believe, the Word of God, but not explicitly, but also through research, is that we know the number one factor is personal Bible reading. So I want to ask you about your personal Bible reading. I regularly pray how much. um, I'm going to ask you about prayer. I'm going to ask you about fasting. Now, everybody look at me for a second. I am not going to ask you if you tithe. And I'm not going to ask you how much you tithe. We clear? Am I going to ask you if you tithe? No, right? I'm not going to ask you. Now, having said that and having you understood that, 
I want to tell you, I wanted to ask. <laughs> and here's why I wanted to ask. What are the two areas that the false Christian doesn't want you in? Finances and bedroom. I'm definitely not going to ask about the bedroom. But I wanted to ask about the finances because it is a clear, pretty clear indication of whether you're actually submitted to the Lord. So I'm not going to ask about it, but I wanted to. The reason I'm not is I'm concerned that people would say, it's just not your business, and I'm not going to answer that, and you made me mad, and I'm not going to fill out your form. Um, but I want you to reflect about it. I am going to ask if you would like encouragement slash training in how to give or tithe. And now, that doesn't mean you're not tithing. It doesn't mean you are tithing. If you want in more information on it, I will get you more information and more teaching on it, though. But I want you to reflect yourself on whether you're being faithful to give to the work of the Lord. The reason I want you to do that is if we say we believe a thing, we need to commit to put our treasure there. If we prefer our treasure to go elsewhere, then we can pretty quickly see. Dr. Rogers used to say, if you give me your checkbook for five minutes, I can tell you who or what you worship. All right? That's kind of hard truth there, but it's true truth. So I didn't ask but I wanted to ask, but I want you to ask yourself, okay? Ask yourself when we get there. I'm going to ask you about your involvement in Sunday school, your engagement in witnessing um, mission activities of any other kind. And there, if you drive for the food mission, put that down. If you attend BSU at your college, put that down. If, uh, you know, any kind of ministry that you're involved in, just put that down. All right. These activities are profitable and you'll grow in godliness if you are involved in spiritual disciplines. If you pursue these things in hopes of gaining salvation through your works, you'll be really disappointed and these will become legalistic miseries uh, for two reasons. One, um, if, if you feel like you're forced to do them to earn God's uh, pleasure with you, then then it will become legalistic. The second thing is it won't actually accomplish what you want it to because you can never do these things in order to gain merit with God. But if you're saved and you say, hey, I want to be a better, I want to be a better equipped, better trained servant of the Lord, then these things will be profitable and joyful for you. Now, spiritual disciplines are not something that you feel like doing all the time. I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. I don't always feel like witnessing. But if you do those things anyway, then they will be a blessing to you and it'll be easier to do the next day. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to feel like it every day, but look at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He says, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So training is not something that's supposed to be easy. It's something that is supposed to require discipline and effort. Section three of the survey is a lifestyle health kind of thing. And this way I can ask you how you're doing. Uh, not in that surface way of how you're doing, meaning I want to say hi to you politely, but how are you really doing? And I want you to take the time to tell me. The reason is, and maybe you'll think this is egotistical, but I think I can help with all of those areas. Now you may say, well, what if I say that my physical health is poor? 
I'm not a physician, but I know a great one, and I can talk to him about you, right? I can pray for you in areas that I can't do anything else to help out. I can certainly pray for you. There are a couple of catch-all questions at the bottom of the second page that says, I need my pastor to know blank. You tell me anything you want to. Uh, The next is, please list any other helpful information. You tell me whatever you want to tell me. So there's something I should have asked, but I didn't. You can tell me what that is. Now, let me tell you. I'll tell you the process in a moment. We're going to take these, we're going to fill them out in here, and then we're going to put them in an envelope. And that envelope... Is, says confidential on it, and you can seal it up. I am the only one that is going to look at this information. Um, our, our ministry assistant is not going to look at it. Our deacons aren't going to look at it. Our mat team is not going to look at it. I am the only one that's going to see it. So if you, if you trust me to keep confidence, you can tell me anything you want to tell me. I will be able to pray for you very specifically, and it will help me know how to better equip you, Right? I mean, if, if eight people say, hey, I don't really pray because I think God's sovereign and God knows everything, and so I don't really understand the point of prayer because God already knows what I need. Well, that's great. Put that down. And then I'll think to myself, hey, maybe I should teach a little more on prayer. Or maybe I can direct these people to a really good book on how God's sovereignty and our prayer works together. So more information I get, the better. Again, if you trust me, I will keep it completely, completely confidential. Here's what we're going to do. Jimmy and Chris and Steve are going to pass these out. We're going to give you a sheet of paper, but we're also going to give you an envelope so nobody else is going to see what you're doing. You fill out the sheet of paper, fold it up, stick it in the envelope, seal the envelope, and then nobody sees it but me later, okay? I've asked you to put your name and age on here. Um, if, if I have to pick, guys, li- listen to me for just a second. I know these guys are pretty, but look up here. Okay, if I have to pick between you being honest and you putting your name down, I want to pick being honest. But if you knew me, you'd, be, you'd feel free to be honest because you'd say, hey, Steve knows he's not perfect by a long shot. <laughs> so it's okay. I can say what I need to say. So we're going to take a few minutes and fill this out. Um, I love preaching, and for me to give up preaching time to do this means I think this is really important. <laughs> Brother, will you play us some, uh, some writing music? <laughs>